Hello, and welcome to this podcast summary of the meeting of the IAASB held in New York City during June 21st to 24th, 2016. I'm Kathy Healy, Technical Director of the IAASB, and I'm joined by Professor Arnold Childer, Chairman of the Board, and IAASB members Brendan Murtaugh, Rich Sharko, Bob Dorr, Megan Zietzman, and Marin Kelsall. Welcome, all. Arnold, could I ask you to start with an overview of this week's meeting? Well, maybe I wouldn't rather do that because there's so much that we <laughs> discussed this week and I'm really impressed by uh, how well that went. Um, it was only four days, usually it's five, but very successful. And I won't single out the agenda items, will come later on, but let me just note that the board approved the changes to ISA 250 and other standards in the context of the so-called NOCRA project. So my sincere congratulations to Brandon Murtak and the team for uh, getting the board there. But what has become evident um, during the discussions on the many projects is the interconnections between them. It's all to enhance audit quality as a key public interest uh, objective. And we do have, of course, competing priorities on the agenda, but we have to bring that together. And that was very central in much of the work. So many dialogues across all, all the teams. And we have also discussed how we can further advance it, make it as effective and productive as possible, because we know there's a lot of stakeholder interest in the topics that we have dealt with. And just one illustration of that is the week before, we had a robust discussions with our annual national standard setters meeting on many of the agenda topics that we had discussed this week, but also many contributions from their side, including a lot of focused discussion on what we can do more in the area of uh, small practitioners and, and let's say smaller audits to smaller clients. Um, so we received a lot of feedback from the national standard setters and input and that was a great experience and much uh, appreciated. So let me just stop there because I know there's much more to come. Thank you. Thank you, Arnold. You mentioned the board's success with its NOCLAR proposals. Can I turn to you, Brendan, for a summary of the board's discussions this week? Certainly, Kathy. The board discussed the task force recommendations in response to their comments at the March 2016 board meeting and the April 2016 board teleconference. The more significant matters which were discussed included the definition of non-compliance, how ISA 250 articulates the auditor's responsibilities to, NOCLAR, uh, to report NOCLAR to an appropriate authority outside the entity, the manner in which reporting of NOCLAR within groups has been addressed in ISA 250, and documentation requirements. In addition, the board debated whether revisions to ISA 600 should be made in order to highlight the requirements under the IESBA code regarding the communication of NOCLAR within groups. It was resolved that um, highlighting this in ISA 250 would be sufficient at this time, while the group audits working group considers their project on ISA 600. After a few final amendments, the board approved the revisions uh, and conforming amendments to address actual and perceived inconsistencies of the approach to dealing with instances of identified or suspected NOCLAR in complying with ISA 250 and other international standards. ISA 250 will be published once PIOB approve that due process has been followed in the development of the revisions. The revised standard will be effective for audits of financial statements on or after December 15, 2017. Thank you, Brendan. 
The IAASB also discussed possible revisions to its standard on auditing accounting estimates and fair values, ISA 540. Before we discuss that, it might be useful to hear about the relevant aspects of the board's work on professional skepticism and where we might move that topic forward, as this will also impact the ISA 540 project. So, Rich Sharko, could you tell the listeners more about this? Sure, Kathy. The IWSB considered recommendations from the IWSB representatives of the Professional Skepticism Working Group put forward to assist the ISA 540 Task Force on ways to emphasize the application of professional skepticism within ISA 540. In developing its recommendations to the ISA 540 Task Force, the Professional Skepticism Working Group developed a matrix for the board discussion that addresses how professional skepticism appears in each phase of the audit. The IWSB agreed that it would be important to continue coordination between the current projects of ISA 540, ISA 315, ISA 600, quality control, and data analytics on how to apply professional skepticism in these respective standards. The board emphasized the importance of carefully analyzing feedback from the invitation to comment for the September board meeting, in particular, how these impact these ISAs. In addition, the Professional Skepticism Working Group intends to provide the board with input on bias, both auditor and management, obtaining sufficient audit, appropriate audit evidence, i.e. when is enough enough, and shifting towards a more challenging mindset in the application of professional skepticism. Lastly, the board reiterated the importance of a coordinated approach among all standard setting boards that is the IWSB, the IESBA, and the IAESB. Uh, that, that would be the ethics and education, the last two. In response, the stakeholder calls for consistency. To achieve this, the Professional Skepticism Working Group have the view that a potential deliverable, such as a thought piece or concept paper, that addresses how stakeholders have responded to the issues raised in the ITC and how we can potentially respond to those comments. In developing this publication, the Professional Skepticism Working Group also believes it is important to set out the concept of professional skepticism is addressed across the three standard setting boards. Thank you, Rich. Can you now update us on how the discussions on changes to 540 went and how this important project will move forward towards public comment? Sure, Kathy. Our discussion focused on the risk assessment section, definitions, scalability of the ISA for entities with less complex, low estimation, uncertainty accounting estimates and an initial discussion on the work effort. Some high-level comments on the board's input included, in some places, the definitions can be simplified with, with other material being added to the application material to allow for further explanation. It was noted that definitions will need to be looked at again once the work effort has been further advanced. Some comments were also received on the risk assessment section, including some requirements could be combined and others reordered to improve the readability and clarity of the section. The board broadly supported the increased level of granularity in the risk assessment requirements. The proposed paragraph 4A on scalability of the ISA was seen by some as not being sufficiently helpful and the task force was urged to find ways to make it more specific. The task force's initial thinking on work effort was also discussed. The IWSB provided input on the possible text that the task force has explored, including related to subsequent events, principles-based overarching pr procedure, and the possible stand-back provision, amongst others. Many good suggestions for improvements and thoughts uh, to consider were provided. The task force needs to think through how to articulate the work effort in light of some of the changes made to the greater granularity in the risk assessment section. 
The task force also took some time to discuss the professional skepticism's working group's uh, recommendations to the ISA 540 task force and provided to the board with a brief summary of those views. In brief, many proposals were supported or will be considered as the project further develops. What's the way forward? Part of the July uh, IWSB teleconference will be devoted to, to the section on ISA 540 project. Task force also will meet physically twice before the September board meeting along with numerous task force calls. It is intended the task force will present a first read of the proposed ED in September. Thank you, Rich. Certainly a lot of good activity there to support the board's discussions. As Arnold mentioned, there's crossover between many of the board's projects currently underway, including 540 and professional skepticism. However, these projects are also important, impacted by important topics like data analytics and the plans to consider revisions to ISA 315 dealing with risk assessment. As a start, Bob, could you update us on the board's discussions on data analytics? Sure. Thanks, Kathy. This week, the board provided input to the Data Analytics Working Group publication that's entitled the IAASB's work to explore the growing use of technology in the audit, including data analytics. While making suggestions for a more proactive approach in some areas, the board was in agreement with the public that the publication would meet the objectives of firstly, raising awareness with stakeholders, secondly, delivering a clear message that the extent international standards on auditing do not prohibit the use of data analytics in a financial statement audit, and thirdly, that we should be communicating the way forward for the IAASB's data analytics project. The board was supportive of the data analytic working group's active involvement in the IAASB's current standard setting projects and assessing the potential impact on the ISAs affected by those projects. The board also directed the data analytics working group to continue with its outreach activity, exploring whether involvement of a project advisory group and roundtable events or something of that nature would be effective in further information gathering and facilitating a two-way dialogue with stakeholders. The board also supported the issuance of the Data Analytics Working Group publication. Thank you, Bob. Let me now talk a bit about the discussions on ISA 315, a project that will impact many of the other projects underway, in particular as our Financial Institutions and Accounting Estimates project moves on an accelerated timeline, thinking will be needed on some aspects of ISA 315 to be able to finalize ISA 540 as anticipated. This marked the first opportunity for the board to consider issues related to ISA 315 as developed by a working group, and it's fair to say that great progress was made on a number of key topics. First, the board considered the scope and objectives of a potential standard setting project um, to address risk assessment um, with acknowledging that implementation guidance and other things to support practitioners would be an important aspect to be covered in that project as well. The working group had highlighted a number of major issues to be addressed by the project, which the board agreed to. Um, some of these include a discussion of how the auditor understands the entity and its environment to support its risk assessment process. That process itself, including how higher risks of material misstatement and significant risks are addressed, the important topic of internal controls and control activities, as well as considerations for SMEs and SMPs about scalability and applicability of the standard in those situations. 
Given this progress, the board has asked the working group to bring a project proposal for approval to the September 2016 meeting and to select key issues to prioritize uh, in coordination with the ISA 540 task force for further discussion in September with the board and its advisory group as well. The board has also discussed initial feedback on its invitation to comment, which addressed the topics of professional skepticism, quality control, and group audits. This comment period closed in the middle of May, and the board's had about 85 responses to this comment, which is a great um, view from our stakeholders. And we're in the process of deliberating these important comments. So Megan, if you could talk a little bit about some of the themes that have emerged from the high-level feedback. Thanks, Kathy. Be happy to do that. Um, we had an opportunity for the working groups to actually meet in advance of the board the board meeting to start having some initial discussions. But clearly, given the volume of the comments, um, there there is some more work to be done to really get into the details. But I think big picture, I think we heard strong calls from from respondents for the IWASB to maintain a principles based approach to its standards. But also, with that, to, to look at ways in which we can sharpen the focus of the requirements within the standards and provide increased clarity on how to apply them to evolving circumstances, as it was noted by many that the world we live in continues to get more complex, um, but also an acknowledgement that the standards can't be written to, uh, to address every single uh, situation specifically. Uh, we also heard a lot of calls for practical guidance. So lots of calls for examples of what does it look like, what is good relative to, to the requirements, and some food for thought about how we might do that outside of the ISIS. So not necessarily as standards, but maybe staff guidance or other solutions. We also heard, I think as an overriding theme, uh, the importance of putting focus on the understanding of, of the business and operational drivers as foundational to being able to actually perform quality audits. Another overarching theme that came through, not just in the letters, but also in all the various different outreach activities, was the need to consider the impact of culture um, on the standards and how that really impacts the ability to apply and, and um, perform audits in a quality way. With, with respect to professional skepticism, We've heard broadly that um, our respondents agree that this is around the appropriate mindset of the auditor and really something that can't be fixed in isolation by uh, tweaking the definition or, or making some uh, little changes here and there within the standards. That really is something that needs a much more holistic approach. Um, there's also carrying on the theme of the understanding of the business, a theme that, that talks about how sufficient knowledge of the business really puts the auditor in the position of being able to ask those probing questions that he or she needs to do to more effectively challenge or question management and to have the basis to be able to assess and think about evidence that might contradict or may be inconsistent. And maybe I think we're linked back there, obviously, to the 315 project, but also to ISA 540. Um, I think we also heard the theme that it's around behavior and, and what can we do to encourage auditors to really act as critical challenges. And another theme we heard, which, which links back to the training of, of auditors and their education, is how can those play a role in really infusing a properly or professionally skeptical attitude into kind of into the DNA of auditors. With respect to quality control, I think we heard a lot of support for the issues that were outlined in the, in the ITC. Very strong support for emphasizing the importance of tone at the top and looking at leadership responsibilities and accountability for, um, for quality. 
We also heard support for looking at updating our quality control standards to incorporate and, and emphasize in the importance of and the need for monitoring, remediation, root cause analysis, and there's sort of a theme there of the expectation of a continuous improvement mindset. Got some lot of good comments on the uh, the role of the EQCR. Um, some calls to look at the objective of the EQCR, noting that that really is a key quality control measure. Um, I think we also heard some caution that it, in looking at the roles and the responsibility of the engagement quality control reviewer to keep some balance and perspective relative to the, the responsibilities of the engagement partner and, and a strong call to make it clear that the, it really is, at the end of the day, the engagement partner who is responsible ultimately for the quality of the engagement. Um, but related to that, so we did have a lot of um, calls and support for looking at how to clarify, emphasize, strengthen the role of the engagement partner um, and really look at those requirements around direction, supervision, and review. It was also noted that in doing that, we should think about how that plays out in the context of a group audit and we're looking at the responsibilities of the group engagement partner and, and, and arguably into the group engagement team. Another topic that we teed up in the quality control section was transparency reporting. Um, I think we've had some varied views here about whether it's um, whether the IWSB should proceed down the path of establishing requirements. But um, so I think more more to more to look at there. But there was definitely strong calls for the IWSB to to be engaged here and think about what they can do to. Um, to really advance the ball and, and improve the, um, the the focus on quality at the firm level. We also talked about in the ITC the possibility of uh, incorporating what we call a quality management approach into revising um, our quality control standards. Um, and we outlined some initial thinking about how that might work. I think we got support generally across the board for proceeding down that path, but also some cautions about um, making sure that we, uh, that we keep the focus on scalability, um, but that we also don't lose sight of the importance of having robust requirements. Um, and then I think a number of respondents also sort of caveated their uh, input by saying they would like to see more um, and actually understand exactly what we're talking about before they, they weigh in definitively. Um, then with respect to group audits, um, I think we got broad agreement that the right, the right issues were identified and that the proposed actions were, were generally headed in the right direction. Um, some agreement that not all the issues can necessarily be resolved by the IWSB, with an example possibly being some of the access issues in some jurisdictions. Um, this also linked back to the theme of understanding the business, some noting about entity structures that continue to evolve, increased use of shared service centers by, um, by entities, and support for the IWSB in looking at how to underscore how to apply the, the, the principles of the standards to those complex uh, situations. And I think we also got a, a, a strong steer to make sure that we demonstrate how or clarify maybe the, the interaction of 600 with the rest of the ICES and make it clear that um, you, know, you, you do need to think about all the ICES as you do a group audit. Um, support for focusing on um, also the, uh, the importance of communication, two-way communication between group auditors and component auditors and potentially even amongst component auditors themselves. So, Kathy, lots of um, things for the working groups to think about, and um, there is a lot of work to be done before the September meeting in thinking about how best to take forward these, um, all of these issues and how to deal, obviously, with the interconnectivity between all of them. Um, and the working groups will be back in September with, with some more thinking on how to proceed, as well as potentially some of a bit of a, bit of a deep dive into some of the selected issues. Great update, Megan. Thank you. 
One final aspect of the ITC was exploring what other actions besides work on these three projects may be needed to improve audit quality, and that was to inform the board's development of its 2017 to 2018 work program, recognizing that it's quite full with the current initiatives. So at this meeting, the board finalized a survey to help guide its priorities and understand whether stakeholders had any views on whether changes to both our strategic objectives or any particular projects in our plan were needed in light of some of the changes in the external environment. So we're looking to issue that strategy survey in the next few weeks with a comment period through the end of September. This feedback will then be considered by the board and its advisory group and uh, committed to finalizing a work plan in December and the PIOB will have the opportunity to comment on whether anything else needed to be emphasized or added to that plan before it's finalized. So um, we're hoping to hear back from our stakeholders realizing that they've just invested a lot of time on the ITC so we're, we're looking to use some technology to further some responses there. But let me take a pause then and move on from auditing standards. Um, in addition to those topics this week, the board also had very robust discussions on a, its plans to consult on the topic of emerging forms of external reporting, including integrated reporting. So the chair, Marin Kelsall of that group is here. Could you update us, Marin, on those discussions, please? Thanks, Kathy. Yes, the board discussed the second draft of the discussion paper, Supporting Credibility and Trust in Emerging Forms of External Reporting, and that's been drafted by the Integrated Reporting Working Group. And of course, integrated reporting is a subset of the, the notion of uh, emerging areas of external reporting. The board was supportive of the paper. There were various suggestions made for reducing the length of it, improving the clarity on the purpose of the paper, and making it more appealing so that it's, it is um, accessible to non-technical stakeholders who are a very important group for us. There was also support for a standalone at-a-glance document, which would be used to summarise the key messages for various stakeholders, uh, in particular that non-technical audience. The Integrated Reporting Working Group will work further on the recommendations made by the board and publish the paper, background material needed for proper interpretation, and the at-a-glance document during the third quarter of this year. The discussion paper will be open for comment for 120 days. We would obviously encourage all stakeholders from the various components of the external reporting supply chain to provide comments to us in any way uh, over that 120-day period. Thank you. Thank you, Marin. For the sake of completeness, let me just briefly mention the discussions on the agreed-upon procedures project, which we know is of very high importance to SMEs and SMPs. We considered a first draft of a discussion paper by the board, which is based on outreach conducted to date by our working group, and it explores the current demands for AUP engagements, um, national developments that suggest that a more robust look at the international standard may be necessary at this time in light of user needs, um, a number of issues that had been identified for discussion that might be areas of focus in a revision of the board's current standard addressing AUP engagements, and then the more holistic topic of the demand for multi-scope engagements, which are engagements that combine procedures derived from audit review, other assurance, compilation, and AUP engagements. So some really great thinking going on at the working group level there. The board will look at a revised draft of the discussion paper and hopes to finalize that in September for public consultation thereafter. 
The IAASB's next physical meeting will be held the week beginning September 19th in Hong Kong. The board will also hold a teleconference at the end of July to further advance its work on ISA 540. The September agenda meeting will consider a number of discussions following the meeting this week, including a first read of the exposure draft of ISA 540, a discussion and approval of a project proposal on ISA 315 and further delving into specific discussions on key items of that project, further along conversations on detailed feedback from the invitation to comment, professional skepticism, group audits, quality control, and crossover issues, and then an update from the IAASB's Auditor Reporting Implementation Working Group, which is monitoring the adoption and implementation of those standards which come into effect at the end of this year. Just as a reminder, our meetings are open to the public, and members of the public may register as observers. Please register as early as possible for Hong Kong, as registration closes two weeks prior to the start. More information is available on our website at www.iwasb.org. This concludes the podcast summary of the IAASB's June 2016 meeting. Meeting highlights and a full audio recording of the board's discussions are also available on our website. Listeners are reminded that they can also follow us on Twitter at IAASB underscore news. Thank you for listening.